my fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. Wow! I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. Sugar and spice I feel nice Sugar and spice Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Mel and Floyd Summer Replacement Show. I'm Mel. Floyd is on assignment, but with this as always, the influencer's influencer, <laughs> Mr. Smarty Pants. Ben Ford, good buddy. <laughs> Bye. Harley sub- sub- endorsed this product and or event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how you doing? Did you have a, did you have a veggie uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, so. What did you guys have? Little, Tofurky. So. <laughs> no, just normal stuff. Without, just normal stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I ate with some non-vegetarians, so they had. Oh, did you? They had their turkey. But, oh, okay. Uh, so okay. I just had all the other stuff. I remember going over to your place one year, and uh, it was there was a pumpkin. And inside the pumpkin was a lot of things to eat. Like you opened the, do you remember yeah, this? like wild rice. Yeah, wild and rice and cranberries, cranberries and stuff. And that was uh, lovely. I yeah. thought that was a wonderful. I I don't yeah. like it when people, uh, you know, who are not meat eaters, try to pretend. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, no, that's not. That, what, what what's the furky part for? <laughs> you don't need that. No. <laughs> just, just just get it real here. You know. So we had. Uh, we didn't. We we had an interesting, uh, a little different Thanksgiving. We had more traditional Thanksgiving. We had um, our Thanksgiving eel because uh, oh, the tr- had, traditional <laughs> eel, yeah, the traditional eel. Yeah. No, we went out to a, a Japanese uh, restaurant for Thanksgiving. It was, I won't say which one, but it was it was a very good one actually. It was very very nice, and they were happy to see us. There were other refugees that were there as well yeah, sure. that were eating that. But I, I I did some reading on this, Mel. Maybe you knew this already, but. Eel was probably something actually that uh, that the pilgrims did eat. Oh, sure. Because eel was a popular eel pie. Yeah. For example, was a popular mm. thing to eat in England. And well, these, they came from England. I mean, you yeah, know, they came from England, so they eat anything, right? <laughs> and, but the but the indigenous folks that were were helping them out that first year, uh, they they would would trap eels and they showed because a lot of these people were just like middle class folks. They didn't know how to you know fish or anything. Right. So the the pilgrims, so they uh, the the native folks would say, oh well, this is how you. Trap an eel because they had these little little eel patches that they would yeah, do and get them pregnant eels. and then yep. they'd have to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but so they probably did have eel <laughs> for Thanksgiving. But uh, but the one thing they didn't talk about uh, at the Thanksgiving table um, because it. You know, it was people had strong feelings about it. Was uh, was immigration (laughs) (laughs) one topic that did not come up at the first Thanksgiving? And I wonder why. We're thinking of building this wall around the the eastern seaboard. I I think it'd be a great idea. (laughs) No, we just had like a normal, you know, traditional meal, and then the then the the, you know then a a religious ceremony. I mean, we oh we we I mean by that I mean we watched the Packers. Or the Packers did well. They did. Yeah, good for them. We watched uh, 
We watched Dolly Parton dressed up as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, which I don't know how old she is, but she must be 82 or something yeah, by now. She's 77, I think. I think. She? Yeah. yeah. She, looked, she looked pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I had to laugh when I was watching it, though, because nothing says America like watching, uh, I, I don't know how many, they were like 40 buxom gals thrusting themselves at you. <laughs> It's like, you know, the thing about this society you know is to celebrate it's America. so openly, so unguardedly vulgar, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh my Lord. I was just, I really got I was six shooters? I was laughing. Like, I, I couldn't stop laughing. It was oh, so funny. That's funny. It's like, yeah, yeah, you have breasts, I know. It's, you know? <laughs> you think you invented it. I don't understand. But anyway, but the, but that was it was it was she was doing a medley of hits. But I have to yeah. say that the Dolly was. But I have to say that um, she's she definitely is a crossover star now because sure. she had some pretty hard uh, hard edge guitar playing and yeah. it wasn't like the well, old. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, she is now. I guess she's got to live up to that. Yeah, so, but so. that was that was interesting. And she played. A, <laughs> I was also amused by this. she played "We Are the Champions." You know the the famous sure. Queen song. And, yeah. I was like, I mean, how many of the people in that audience know that that uh, anything about Freddie Mercury? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> Probably not too much. Down at the Dallas Stadium. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> what? Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, you know, why is it that the right wingers hate universities and they hate the media? And they, it's because knowledge is power. The famous Francis Bacon. Uh, claim right? mm-hmm. knowledge is power, yeah. and they don't want any people to have any power. So you got to go where the knowledge is, and screw that up, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's number one on the agenda, I would guess. So, anyway. so, I saw a story this week that uh, about the the brain drain from uh, from hardcore red states like yeah. like Florida and Texas. Sure. So a lot of people are are leaving because yeah. of the 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 draconian policies, right? And, uh, <laughs> That Draco, he gets such a bad yeah. rap. <laughs> <laughs> Means dragon. <laughs> no, he was a he was a wasn't he a legislator? I thought he was a legislator. That's where he came. I don't from. know. It does mean dragon? Though. Yeah, it does mean dragon. So, right. But yeah. uh, so luckily we're not we're not uh, we don't do that kind of stuff here. Not like at like all. like cut you know university budgets or anything. No, so. for for. Trivial reasons. Yeah, I did see that we <laughs> were too in- much diversity. <laughs> yeah, right. Stop talking about diversity. Um, yeah, so uh, that we we made the paper last week and the oh, national no. papers about, uh, of course, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Oh sure. Uh, you know, uh, on Tuesday said uh, they're going to hear arguments about the uh, about the gerrymandering. I'm kind of curious whether this will how this will fare when it inevitably the Republicans will try to get into the federal mm-hmm. system. So I can go up to our to our nine lackeys, you know, and have them decide. Um, but I'm I'm kind of wondering whether, if it does go to the U.S. Supreme Court, whether they might not actually decide in favor of whatever the decision is by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, because um, it's one of the v- very clearly laid out. It's not about like expanding voting rights or whatever. It's it's about what the districts look like, and that that, that typically when it's in black and white, they, mm-hmm. they 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 have to go along with it. Yeah. So I'm I'm just kind of curious. It's in the state constitution because it's a, a state issue. Is yeah. Well, no, saying? because it's a this the state constitution itself says they have to be contiguous. Oh right. So it's not like right. a question. It's not a theory about you know what minorities need to you know participate yeah. or any abstract concepts about democracy. It's actually just laid out. No, I mean they've, they've down. got they've got some islands. I mean they've got islands yeah. of like just one house and one district <laughs> no yes oh my gosh <laughs> i don't know it might it might have been the old legislator and they yeah. didn't want to want them to 
have to change districts or something. I'm just guessing, but yeah. uh, and then there's another place. There's a there's a a, 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 a factory and a couple of houses. Yeah. That's an island in the middle of another district. Yep. So this so the lawsuit it, it differs from the mm-hmm. challenges that you've seen in other states where they tend mm-hmm. to again focus on voting rights, access to you know to mm-hmm. the franchise, and uh, and uh, fairness to to various minority groups. In in this state, it's focused on what seems to be a kind of a neutral technical question, which is what the state constitution says. Are they contiguous? Yeah. So lawyers uh, representing Democrats said that 54 of the 99 current assembly districts and 21 of the 33 Senate districts fail the constitutional requirement that they be compact and, as you said, contiguous. Hmm. So so that might actually survive. uh, I mean, if the court decides in favor of the the plaintiffs in this case— even going to the U.S. Supreme Court, it potentially because it's so clear and in black and white, and it's not about any abstract interpreted rights or whatever. That the Supreme, maybe the Supreme Court would go. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah. A large new study has challenged long-held beliefs about the relationship between handedness, being left or right-handed, and sure. spatial navigation abilities. Contrary to conventional wisdom, the study, uh, which recruited millions of participants from around the world, wow. found no significant difference in spatial skills between left-handers and right-handers. Hmm. Um, for years, scientists have been intrigued by the idea that our dominant hand might be linked to our spatial abilities. Some theorize that brain lateralization um, might play a role in the relationship between handedness and spatial abilities. So, uh, some studies had previously suggested that left-handers might have an advantage in spatial, spatial tasks. However, these studies were often limited in size and scope. Hmm. One thing that, that interests me is how many left-handed presidents we've had. Sure. Especially recently. I mean, I, had, I actually had to look this up. We've had... We've had some sinister ones. You're not talking about we, that, are No, we? no, no. <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of those recently, too. <laughs> we, there were, but there were eight uh, presidents listed as left-handed, and most of them are in the 20th century for some reason. Interesting. But uh, uh, Garfield yeah. was... Uh, I knew that. The only left-handed president known prior to the 20th century. Right. And then there was Herbert Hoover, Harry S. Truman... He was left-handed as a child, and he wrote with his right hand and used his left for most other activities. Yeah. So, but that, that was typical. A lot of times, they tra- if you were writing left-handed, the, they would make you use That happened your, to me when right I was hand. a child. I have a left-handed aunt, and my father was left-handed. Are you and, left-handed? And I am not. Yeah. But I'm somewhat ambidextrous. It depends on the task. Like, I always drive with my left hand. I don't, I never, my right hand is just flopping around. Yeah. I never use the right <laughs> but, but what's interesting, when I was a kid, was my mother was so terrified. This is typical of oh, my no. mother. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was teaching me how to tie my shoes. So, of course, I was tying them left-handed. And my mother went ballistic. And I remember being this little huddled, oh, no. you know, pile on the floor. My mother screaming at me to you know, tie my shoelaces the other way. But, yeah, that's... Um, I, I don't know if I would have been left-handed or not. I, I don't feel any, you know, like, need to, but I do find that yeah. some tasks I perform as ambidextrous, so hmm. who knows. I went, my, through, I went through a stretch where I, I tried to make myself right, left-handed. I'm yeah. right-handed, and I was tried to learn how to write left-handed. Just to be different, I think, yeah. was the deal. But uh, so. I had a job many years ago where I had to sign a lot of things, yeah. and so... I would love to sign my name backwards. That was one thing I learned how to do. <laughs> They'd look at it. It's like, what are you doing? You know, that's like, just signing my name. You know, <laughs> what are you, Leonardo da Vinci? 
<laughs> okay, so, fun. so we had Garfield, Hoover, Truman, yeah. Gerald Ford. We heard, oh, yeah. heard from him, him earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't help his spatial acuity. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah, really? He was naturally left-handed but wrote with his right hand. So, again, it was probably something yeah. that... Uh, the, he, he and my mom probably the, knew each other. The, the nuns beat it out <laughs> yeah, of them. right, exactly. So then after Reagan, we had George H.W. Uh, Bush. I knew that. Bill Clinton, yep, of course. Knew that. Knew yeah. that. And Barack Obama. Sure, yep. So, so it's very what about sure. W? Is W <laughs> doesn't little, doesn't list him? Bush? Doesn't list him. Shrub so. or shrub? He must have been yeah. right-handed or yeah. just couldn't ever sign anything. Didn't learn how to write. You can't tell when you write an X <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Wrote his name in <laughs> cocaine and. <Yeah. laughs> hey, this is the busiest retail time of the year. Oh, you no. bet. Oh, Jesus would be so proud. Uh, so for many people, at the end of the year, it's you know it's time for parties, family gatherings, sure. and so on. But it's also time for shopping. Uh, this is the the fourth quarter is the most important time of the year in the United States economy, even during the the Great Recession and in the in the twenty twenty during the pandemic. Uh, every year for the last uh, I guess since the early nineties, uh, the amount of money that people have spent on Christmas has increased, and that's accounting for inflation. Uh, here are some things that. Um, I was I found on on how much money people spend on different things this time of year. So let's see uh, books. The bookstore chain Barnes and Nobles does one to Barnes and Noble does one third of its annual business in the final six weeks of the year. Wow! They sell uh, twenty million books in December alone. Uh, let's see uh, coffee. Uh, last year, holiday shoppers bought fifty eight million Starbucks gift cards. And loaded them up with a record three point three billion dollars. You wonder why this country is kind of twitchy. <laughs> it's like we're drinking way too much coffee, apparently. Uh, so this is about ten percent of Starbucks annual revenue uh, just during that period of time. The busiest day for uh, for gift card purchases, you bet. The twenty fourth. Uh, yeah, December twenty third. Twenty third. Yeah. Uh, let's see, candy. Uh, Christmas is the confection industry's biggest holiday. It outpaces. Valentine's Day, Easter, and Halloween. Really? Uh, consumers uh, spend about $5.6 billion on chocolates, candy canes, and other holiday treats. Let's see what's some other things there. Jewelry. Uh, winter's holidays are even bigger than Valentine's Day, according to uh, top jewelers like Kay's and uh, Jared and some other. Uh, they sold more than 1 million diamond rings and bracelets last season. That's pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. Uh, transportation. Of course, we're right now. Uh, gas prices, uh, fuel prices are down a little bit. Lots of people traveling. Um, this year, the Transportation Security Administration expects that uh, 30 million people will fly during the 12-day Thanksgiving holiday period. And uh, airlines expect an average of 2.7 million passengers to travel each day, which is up about uh, almost 10% from last year. So, yep, that's pretty intense. And finally, last but not least, uh, Mattel and Hasbro, not surprisingly, make about 60% of their annual sales in the second half of the year. And that's when they start building up for the intensity of the holiday <laughs> season. And, of course, those are um, Mattel. Last year, Mattel uh, sold $3.15 billion worth of toys. And uh, this year, all eyes, of course, are on Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> On Barbenheimer, <laughs> see if she creates a 
a nuclear blast in the retail industry. I am the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> exactly. I am Barbie. <laughs> so again, as I repeat myself, but Jesus would be proud. <laughs> the guy who lived his life in poverty and hung out with a bunch of unrelated men, for some reason, is the harbinger of family and, and, and spending. I don't understand. It's those that. wise guys. They brought them all the, oh, the wise the, guys. The don't blame them. They, right. they brought all the gold and the Frankenstein. And the Frankenstein, yeah. And, 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 and the bombs and stuff. That was my first joke card I got when I was, I think, 11. I got a joke card and and there's a and there's a, a giant it's like the star and then there's a frankenstein yeah. monster and on the inside one of the wise men is saying there i said frankincense frankincense <laughs> <laughs> when you're 11 you think that's hysterical oh, I, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good i still think it's pretty good so. <laughs> so. Uh, hey losing can bring out the worst in some people especially Sports fans. Oh, or big surprise. Former presidents. No, no, new stunt. <laughs> Not to drop any names. Uh, a new study suggests that sports team losses can trigger violent and irrational behavior among fans. Oh, yeah. Uh, they conducted this research in South America. I think you meant more violent <laughs> and irrational behavior. <laughs> It, it analyzed the brain activity of soccer fans, re- <laughs> revealing that uh, when, when they could find some. Yeah, I was say, that needle's not moving. Is it plugged in? <laughs> Banging on the side. <laughs> What's with this thing? Go United. <laughs> Well, it's still talking. But, <laughs> yeah. so, no, it revealed that victory activates their brain's reward systems. Oh, yes. Conversely, def- ah. defeat can impair cognitive control, yep. raising the likelihood of violent or disruptive behavior. Wow. And I hate to mention this, but uh, sometimes alcohol is a factor yeah, in this, that too. Can that can du- double up on that. Respectable practice of alcohol. Uh, the study uh, dis- also discovered that fans can engage in introspection to alleviate the pain of a loss. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure they would all just leap at the opportunity to do that. Here is our introspection zone. You might want to come I'll in. kill you! <laughs> <laughs> One time, uh, my friends and I went to... Uh, uh, a Brewers Cubs game yeah. over in Milwaukee, and it, it attracts a lot of people from Chicago, sure. of course, because it's a, an easy drive. And there was one one woman at the at the after the game, going through the parking lot, and then this woman was really drunk. She was a Cubs fan, and she was looking for somebody else. And okay. she goes, "I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock her teeth out." <laughs> <laughs> and she was dead serious. She yeah, wanted to yeah. find this woman. I had a sister like that, knock, so I know exactly what that's like. You're gonna knock her teeth out. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so speaking of uh, speaking of feeling kind of bad about losing, I don't know if you heard. I, I, I sort of like I've mentioned before. I sort of like the Netherlands. Uh, companion mm-hmm. and I spent some time sure, there, and sure. we sort of it's, it's, a, it's a pleasant little country. <laughs> not but, anymore. Uh, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, they had a they had an election. Now, unfortunately, uh, of course, this is a little bit like here in the United States where. It doesn't show that a majority of people agree, but because of the crazy setup there, um, this party that is called the Party for Freedom, and it's uh, it's basically just the emanation of a single politician, a man by the name of Kurt Wilders, and and he's he basically he won 37 seats in their lower house. Uh, they call it here the House of Representatives. It's actually called something else, but anyway, um, they have very unimaginative names for their 
their parliament. They, the upper house is called the Estacamer, which just means the first chamber, and the second one is called the Tuetacamer, which just means the second chamber. So <laughs> I can see why they felt like they need to pep it up a little bit, yeah. calling something else. But at any rate, um, yeah, so he's an anti-immigrant, uh, anti-immigration populist who's been on the sort of f- flitting around on the edges of, of, of Dutch politics for a while now, but he's, he's got a pretty good majority uh, enough, I mean, pretty good uh, uh, plurality enough to probably uh, create a, a coalition with some other right-wing party and uh, potentially become the, the prime minister of the Netherlands, which is a very distressing thing. Um, people in the Netherlands are worried right now. There's, it's a small country. It has one of the densest populations in the world. And uh, they are worried, of course, about immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, worried primarily, I think, because of just housing. And so that's what has uh, apparently catapulted uh, Mr. Builders into the uh, position he's at right now. Yeah, we're not immune to this. There's a lot of like right-wing, populist, neo-fascist stuff going around yeah. in, in other countries. Yeah. So. This guy in Argentina got elected. He was like yep, <laughs> yep. The, the chainsaw-wielding yeah, candidate. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're seeing, we're seeing a trend here. I don't like the way this is going. And the thing is... Trump's going, why did I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to see Trump with a chainsaw. Wow, that's, that's that would be, They'd probably be missing pieces very shortly. <laughs> I don't think that guy's probably have to lift a finger to do anything. I, I, love when, I love when they have the, the little fake uh, photo ops with, with the... the 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 dirt turning ceremonies where they're yeah, the, yeah. the shovel where they got yeah. their shovels and stuff it's yeah. like they look like they don't know which end of the end of the <laughs> shovel yeah, to hold exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey uh, climate war and currency shifts are pushing sugar prices higher in the world and uh, I can't say that I feel terribly bad about that to tell you the truth sugar is not really very good for you refined sugar. Um, but you do need it for a lot of things. So prices are probably going to be going up for more than just sugar, but also just things like bread and stuff like that. Um, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization is predicting a 2% decline in global sugar production in the next year compared with the previous season, which will be a loss of about uh, 3.8 million tons of sugar. And um, by the way, sugar is being used for all sorts of things you might not guess, including uh, for biofuels like ethanol. Hmm. So... Uh, Brazil is the biggest sugar importer, but its harvest will only help plug gaps uh, later in 2024. And uh, a lot of other countries uh, are going to be vulnerable. Um, just giving an example, there's a, a Nigeria buys 98% of its raw sugar from other countries. And so it, the people that are living there are going to be in, in bad shape, basically, as a result of this. Well, we put sugar in everything, so, I mean, it's... We put sugar in sugar. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough sugar in this sugar. Yeah, Got to ramp it up. Sprinkle some honey on it or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, like... I'm not going into a coma. It's just not enough. <laughs> I mean, look at any labels of stuff like yeah. soup or ketchup or something like that. It's it, They all have... Not all of them, but mo- a lot of them have tons of yeah. sugar in there. Remember when... Um, Subway was trying to expand to to Ireland a few years ago, yeah. and Ireland has very strict, uh, you know, food regulations. Okay, and they they weren't going to let them sell their their sandwiches as bread yeah. because it was it, they were going to have to call it a confectionery yeah. because it had so much sugar in it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, I have a friend uh, from China who uh, uh, I haven't seen very much of recently, but used to be pretty close to. And uh, he came back from a visit, and he brought some uh, Chinese candy for me. And I thought, well, that sounds great, so let's try it. 
And 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 interestingly enough, candy in China does not taste like candy no, in the United no. States. It's it's very. Yeah, this is some roots we dug up. Yeah. And, uh, so I was asking him. So what is this? And he couldn't quite like describe what it was exactly. And I said, well, I think what it says in Chinese, tell me if I'm right, is glutinous flavor sack. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> he thought that was pretty funny. But <laughs> it's eel. Everything is eel. Yeah, it's eel. Okay, yeah. It's slightly sugary. Eel, eel and right? ginger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I actually sort of liked it, to tell you the truth, because sometimes you can eat things that are sugary, and they're just overpowering. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. have to sit down for a few minutes. <laughs> <you know? It's> <laughs> Uh. Hey. Go ahead. I'm just going to say Kyle Rittenhouse is receiving backlash. Imagine this. On, this is Rittenhouse on uh, on social social media after announcing he's releasing a book about the the shooting that made him a nationally infamous figure. Mm. He shared a post on X with a link to a pre order for the book called Acquitted. Yeah. So. But he says, I never wanted to be a public figure. Yeah. That's why I'm selling this book. Yeah. (laughs) I was homeless as a small child and raised in government subsidized (laughs) housing. My goal was to be a cop or a paramedic. I went to Kenosha to help my community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. That's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I brought my gun and prowled the streets until I found some trouble. But uh, so, in other words, the, the little, um, Right wing um, grift window has closed on him now. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this is because they were they were bringing him out to all these conferences yeah. and stuff right. as a little you know star. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the book will be. I mean, they'll 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 be they'll be massive orders for it from you know just to elevate the sales. I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. And so on. So that's the way they if do. he's if he's useful anymore, yeah. I mean. Yeah. He might not be. Well, what did, did he mention? What the, does it mention? What the publisher is? Because there's some that I, th- some, I, some I think of the it's self-published. Are, oh, okay, more okay. or less. Because sometimes uh, they will bring out these books just to get them in the public eye, mm-hmm. and then um, and then they'll buy. You know, the right wing right groupies right. will buy them all up. Yeah, you know, that, that's why you know books by Hannity and people like that end up on the bestseller list, even though nobody really buys them and right. reads them. I yeah. mean, they they, they give them away. They're as, all sitting in a warehouse. Well, and then along with the Ark of the Covenant, and, then, <laughs> and you write it off. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's part of the part of the scam, part of the grift. But the, speaking of the grift, did you see that Nature? Uh, this this week on Tuesday retracted a high profile paper it had published back in March, and I, I think many of our listeners probably remember this. It was a uh, the paper claimed to the uh, claimed the discovery of a superconductor that worked at everyday temperatures. Oh yeah, sure. Yep, this was the second superconductor paper involving a person named Ranga P. Diaz, as a professor of mechanical engineering and physics at the University of Rochester, New York. Uh, this was the second to be retracted in just over a year. <laughs> Poor guy. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's not got a good... good From the same guy? Age. Yeah, same guy. Um, a spokesman for, uh, for Dr. Diaz says that the uh, the scientist uh, denied allegations of research misconduct, and he's going to resubmit the scientific paper to a journal with a more independent editorial process. Mm. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> No standards. Uh, <laughs> the sun, I think, yeah. is what it's called. This is what I did not know. This just shows you that um, uh, how little I know about this. I should know more. Uh, superconductors were first discovered in 1911. Really? Yep. Uh, these are they're they're kind of magical. They conduct electricity without resistance. However, no known materials are superconductors in everyday conditions. They they require ultra cold temperatures. 
And, uh, and recent advances towards superconductors that function at higher temperatures requires crushing pressures. So you either get, you have to have either cold temperatures or pressure, uh, very, very extreme pressure in order for it to work. So the idea that you might be able to do that without creating these conditions was a huge thing. And of course, sure. people would love to be able to do that. Um, it's, it's very, it's very super scientific, very futuristic, but, uh, we don't quite, we aren't quite there yet. Uh, the paper published in March by Dr. Diaz and his colleagues said they discovered a material called lutetium hybride with uh, some nitrogen added. You always have to put a dash of nitrogen and everything. Uh, <laughs> and, it was pa- a, and paprika. Yeah, and paprika, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's when nature was like, wait, what's with the paprika? <laughs> we didn't notice that the first time. <laughs> that kind of worries us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, if he uh, says so. He's got a good track. Yeah, he's record. got a good track record, right? <laughs> yes. So, but he said that if that they were able to superconduct electricity at temperatures of up to seventy degrees Fahrenheit, it still required a pressure of one hundred forty-five thousand pounds per square inch. But that's not difficult to do. That's it turns out not as hard as the other thing. So uh, the material took on a red hue when it was squeezed. So, and again, another red flag here. Uh, Dr. Diaz nicknamed it red matter after a substance from a Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, he's really <laughs> he's really on the beam there when he starts naming it after stuff from Did a Star Trek. Did he invent dilithium crystals? <laughs> yeah, too. that was exactly <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> did he try reversing the polarity? I think he did. <laughs> yeah. I think he did. And then they went back in time. <laughs> oh. Hey, you're listening to the Mel and Floyd Show here on uh, WRT 89.9 on the FM. You might be listening on the internet at WRTFM.org. Or you could be listening in the future when uh, when you do have perfection of uh, of the superconductors. Yes, because uh, yep. we put this show and all of our shows up in the archives page. I heard that Leonard Bernstein was a superconductor. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> but, and uh, also thanks to Mindless Minion D Cubed, um, we can uh, you can listen. Uh, by a podcast through Spotify. Well, Sp- I can, you must. Spotify or Apple or yeah. wherever wherever you get your pods. Your pods. We're having kind of a, a, a quiet show here. We yeah. usually, traditionally, we have a quiet after I Thanksgiving show. A lot of happy news here, been, too. I, right? I, I tried not to get into a lot of the, the horrible stuff today. Yeah. Just uh, take a, something to be thankful take for. Take a little break. Yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for that. So, so back with uh, coming back with super pigs. Just <laughs> <laughs> just super, superconductors? Superconducting super pigs. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's going to be like DC in the 50s <laughs> when they had super... <laughs> Apes and apes, super apes and super chicken and there's a wonderful. Well, I did like super chicken. Well, there is actually a wonderful parody of of that in a Mad magazine from I must have been the late fifties where they have the cover where they have Stuperman as they call him yeah. and they've got stupor everything you know, like, you know, it's like, and it's like pigs and lizards we got fish and worms and all worms. <laughs> what, what could a super worm do uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to find out <laughs> alright we're going to take a brief break and then come back with uh, all kinds of good stuff including super pigs And we're back. So the city of Madison has announced that they are going to be spreading less salt this year on city streets. They may not have to, depending on what the weather's like, but they are set out to spread uh, 270 tons less salt, which would be about 50 fewer miles of roads getting salted, if you want to uh, put it out in terms of miles. 
And uh, the reason why, of course, is to reduce uh, the harm that too much salt can have on local lakes and drinking water. So if we're assuming a winter... Gives the fish high blood pressure. It it certainly (laughs) does, yes. Assuming a winter with an average amount of snow, the 6% this is a 6% reduction in the city's salt uh, routes where we'll save roughly 270 tons of salt. Um, But still, that's still a lot of miles. 778 miles of road will still get salted. Um, And... uh, Mostly it's going to be major thoroughfares, of course, and routes that connect them and streets used by Madison Metro buses. And, of course, the streets are on hospitals, schools, and emergency facilities. And And people who are on the the council. (laughs) (laughs) According to Public Health Madison and Dane County, average chloride concentrations in Lake Wingra have been increasing by about 2 milligrams per liter per year since 1962. While uh, Lake Mendota, Lake Monona, Lake Haganza, and Lake Wabisa have been increasing by about one milligram, uh, one milligram liter per year uh, since 1962. So the chloride levels considered toxic for small aquatic life have been observed in Dunn's Marsh, University Bay Creek, and Starkweather Creek. So we don't want to we don't want to create little mini oceans here in the uh, in the Madison area. No. Speaking of the oceans, they're getting louder. Louder. In, in a new study, it's called, it says, this says it's a dire study, mm. reveals that underwater world is becoming increasingly noisy due to the effects of climate change. Ah. In some places, by the end of this century, the sound of ships, for example, will be five times as loud, says the study. That will interfere with the behavior of many species of fish and marine mammals. Mm. The, I know exactly how that feels, living in my apartment. <laughs> what are those people doing up there? Is that an ocean trawler I hear? <laughs> nope, it's just the it's cli- it's climate change. Okay. So a that se- and clogging. A, a seven <laughs> decibel increase corresponds to nearly five times the amount of noise energy underwater. Wow. Consequently, sounds generated by marine traffic and other sources, such as Air guns used in seismic surveys will intensify. Golly. And also an unexpected rise in the number of ships in the ocean will contribute to the overall increase in underwater noise level. Even under a moderate climate scenario, these changes could have significant impacts. That doesn't sound good. No. Um, Part of this is related to changing ocean currents. Um, The shift in temperatures would uh, likely... uh, decrease in the supply of the warmer surface water so you get a, a it says you get a sound channel in the upper part of the north atlantic the problem is too it's it's difficult to know where to put the earplugs on a fish <laughs> <laughs> not sure how that even works <laughs> <laughs> shush the oceans here so but i never thought i mean there are all these strange unexpected consequences of things and i, I never thought that Climate change could make the ocean louder, yeah. and then that would screw with the the, the fish. Well, that's, that's the it. whole issue right now, right? I mean, we don't know what effect all these system interact systems interacting are going to produce. We just don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the it's like in chaos theory, where right, you know, you you basically have something that you know in, interacts with something else, and it's ever widening set of relations, and we're not exactly sure what's going to happen at the end of that. Mm-hmm. So. Here's a positive piece of news. Uh, the coal, as we all know, is the dirtiest of fossil fuels, and it's it's very unhelpful. Dirty, human dirty beings. coal. Yep. Um, 
But they found that um, a news a study was published Thursday in the journal Science uh, linked coal pollution to uh, to 460,000 deaths among Medicare res- uh, recipients age 65 and older between just between the years uh, 1999 and 2020. But what they did find, and this is the positive part of this story, is that uh, during that period, the more shuttering of coal plants occurred in the United States and the more installation of scrubbers and smokestacks and so on, it's actually had, um, it has had positive uh, salubrious effects. And so uh, the death uh, attributable to coal plant emissions among Medicare recipients dropped from about 50,000 a year in 1999 to 1,600 in 2020, which is a decrease of more than 95%. And why, why was that? Because of the because scrubbers? Of, uh, or? Yeah, fewer, power, fewer plants using coal, and then the ones that did having attachments to so-called scrubbers to their smokestacks. Um, according to the, uh, the study's lead author, a person by the name of Lucas Henneman, who is a professor in environmental engineering at George Mason University. Things were bad. It was terrible. But we made con- progress, and that's good. <laughs> All right. That's the message. <laughs> we made progress, and that's good. And, and now with an opposing viewpoint, <laughs> ah, progress, bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Got the super pig story here. So super pigs, yes, super pigs are not just they're they're a weird crossbreed. They're feral, right? They're feral, so they're they're wild pigs, but they're a crossbreed between uh, wild Eurasian boars and domestic swine. So they have the size and the high fertility of a domestic pig, but they have the survival skills to you know go into the wild. So that's why they're a super pig. They have the whole complement. Of pig powers, basically, mm-hmm. they're just not, not just a little bit of not just a little bit of the pig power, but the total the total package and their secret identity of Peter <laughs> Peter Porker. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but uh, they're they're not native to North America. They, they oh, no. they're 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 a hybrid, and uh, and they're roaming all over up in uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and now they're they're sort of oozing down. Uh, they're, you know, they're, people have been trying to fence them in, but I, you can't, they can't, you can't fence them no, in. They, they know that song. They, they know they, that song, they, exactly. They and uh, so they cause about $2.5 billion in damage really? a year. Uh, because they root things up. That's their oh. whole thing. They root, they tear up the land. They root for bugs and crops and things root like Root hog that. or die. And then, uh, and then, of course, they also bring devastating diseases. So they have the... Really, Africa, they have the African swine fever, and uh, and here's the thing: because they're you know they're they're smart, they're adaptable, they're furry, which means they can you know because the the wild boar part, yeah, and uh, but it, but uh, they can also reproduce quickly because of the the domestic uh, pig part. So a sow can have six piglets in a litter and raise two litters in a year, which means that sixty five percent or more of the wild pig population male could be killed every year, and the numbers would still go <laughs> up. <laughs> Oh my lord! <laughs> the thing is that hunting just makes the problem worse. The success rate for hunting a wild pig is only about two to three percent, and uh, the thing about it is, several states have banned it because it makes the pigs worse. They they become more wary. They're not dumb animals, right? <laughs> they become more wary, and they be, and they tend to move then at night. So they, they so that makes them tougher to track down. Hmm. So so yeah, you try to get rid of them. They're not like waiting around for it, you know. They're they're gonna d- adapt to that. So as what well. you're saying is is the Mel and Floyd show um, 
salutes our new <laughs> our new feral pig masters. <laughs> get, in, get in front our, of this. Our here. porcine overlords. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if we can't hunt, yeah. we can't hunt them. Yeah, I mean. that's right. We're gonna grunt right <laughs> along with them. You know? I was reading a story about this and reading some of the comments, and uh, some people were saying they they actually aren't very good eating either. I mean, that no, they, I they, think they'd be tough. Yeah, because of their diet. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, that's so. why we created farm animals. They're easier to eat. Yeah, right, you know? yeah. But. So, <laughs> so it's it's like there's not a lot of incentive for people yeah. to go out and you know it's like it it sounds good. Oh, free bacon. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, who yeah, could be against that? American dream. Yeah. <laughs> Guns and bacon. <laughs> Just need Dolly Parton in a cheerleader yeah, outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, because at first I thought, well, you know, we're, we're armed to the teeth here. Sure. We could, we could, armed to the tusks. We could, we, we could take out these these feral pigs, yeah, but uh, yeah. but that that's that uh, little statistic about the hunting. Yeah. You could get sixty percent of them, and you'd still yeah. be losing ground. Yeah, you'd be losing ground because they're the breeding rate. Wow. But then, and again, and and they adapt. They're they're again they're very bright animals. So sure. They adapt yeah. their themselves to the, the to the new menace, and and then you're going to have it. It's going to be harder than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking well, I mean, there's all sorts of animals that used to be wild animals that are essentially urban animals. Yeah, now. I, yeah. I I took Clopsy out the other night before before bed, like eleven o'clock or so. I was sure. running him out, and uh, we usually go down to the road and walk around a little bit. And he likes sniffing the mailbox because yeah. all the other dogs like, oh to, yeah, you know. Yep. Do stuff on the mailbox. It's box. like his news feed. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, Sparky came by. <laughs> Good to know. It's like the old old weekly uh, newspapers where <laughs> someone's so had lunch with, yeah. with Mabel and yes. a good time. It's all was, the society section. Yeah. Good time was had by all. Yeah, I mean, exactly. but the, so anyway, so, so we start walking down the driveway and I hear this screeching these these just really unnerving screeching of coyotes i assume oh, they were wow. coyotes they were and it was it was a bunch of them and they were pretty close they were like they weren't like right next to me but they were a couple houses down and I, it's like okay clopsy we're going back in the house here right yeah. away yeah. so i mean it's those coyotes are everywhere now I yeah mean, no and, i have a friend know. who saw one not too long ago mm. and he said it just st- it stood stock still and he has a fairly substantial dog it's a it's a it's a kind of a hunting uh, a sort of specialty hunting dog and so it's it's a it's a big dog and it's a wary dog and it's yeah. a, you know it's a it, it knows what's going on but uh they both sort of stopped you know stock still and the the coyote was kind of watching them mm-hmm. know, but it didn't do anything yeah because it was only yeah. by it was by itself yeah well clopsy was started barking and it's like no shut up dog yeah, well, that's it. that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah my friend's dog it would does not, it's not a barker yeah it just, like stood still and watched yeah and didn't do anything so so when we you know we're gonna have feral pigs like that pretty yeah. soon where you just look up sure, and there's just a join the crowd feral pig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'll be the least okay, of the problem okay we got the raccoons here we got the coyotes <laughs> yeah. and uh, the coyotes and the feral pigs and will feral get pigs. together yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that might that might balance things out I don't know. <laughs> well here's some coyotes are super geniuses so you gotta gotta be careful there, so. <laughs> Not when they get those acne products. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't worry about that. So, but uh, but we were talking about guns earlier, yeah. and and uh, I, I I told you this off the air, but uh, um, Melvina and I were watching a a, a series on uh, people who've seen UFOs. Okay, and it's on Netflix it's called Encounters. It actually wasn't too bad. I thought it'd be really hokey, but I was just looking for kind of some background noise. You know, yeah. I wanted to 
talking lamp for a while. This <laughs> <laughs> is what my TV is mostly. <laughs> and uh, but I put it on, and it was actually kind of interesting because they focused on on you know people who saw things and then how it uh, changed their life. Yeah. And you know because when they would tell people, everybody go, oh, "No, you're nuts." And then they started. You know, they're losing friends and family sure. members. But anyway, there was the one in Texas. A guy was out hunting, and uh, and he had a scope on his, his rifle, and he saw this this thing in the air, ship, he called it. Yeah. And and he looked up, and he looked up through his scope, and he goes, well, f- I thought about shooting it. <laughs> the first, Step one. That's the first thing that came to mind. Pull out your mind. gun. I have a gun. <laughs> yeah, right. I see something. What I think the I just, hell is that? <laughs> but then he thought better of it. You yeah, know, that might, him, might yeah. not be a good idea. Yeah, well, not that it would be wrong or that he would hurt anybody, no, but he thought that they yeah. probably have big guns, yeah, too. Bigger guns. Yeah, yeah, if they right. came from, you know, Alpha Centauri or something. Yeah, so. yeah. But wow. uh, I just I just love that. That was his first, re- first response. I was like, well, I I could shoot it. It's like the people who like shoot at hurricanes. <laughs> I get that in a way, though. You know, I mean, it's like rail against the storm. Yeah, exactly, man. exactly. Uh, yes, the dying of the light. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a, a company in, uh, where are they, in Spain, I think. And uh, they, they work with a lot of influencers. Okay. And, uh, and uh, you know, they get people to endorse products and sure. try, to, try to get people to buy them yeah. by, by influencing them. Yeah. But, uh, but this, this company has gotten sick of dealing with influencers All right. because they're a pain in the butt. Because they're they're prima donnas yeah. and and uh, and they're unreliable. And That's what people say to me all the time. They're, they're like you know any anybody who's dealt with talent of any yeah, kind yeah, and yeah. you know you know the feeling. It's right. like you know you were supposed to be here at four. And it's yeah. like yeah I forgot yeah. you know. So anyway, so they they got tired of dealing with human influencers. Ah. So they created a a an AI um, influencer okay. named Itana. I think is how you say it. Okay. And uh, and uh, she's supposedly I, I love how they just laid this out here as fact a 25 year old woman from barcelona barcelona des- uh, described yeah I, that's how you say it is described by her creators as the first spanish ai model and uh and uh, so she's she's an ai influencer now <laughs> like several st- she's a non-existent person non-existent right? person All right. created by by computer yeah. and uh but people are responding to her she has uh, sure. 120,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> um, of course, they made her like really gorgeous, yeah. and uh, yeah. and she's getting marriage proposals from people. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> ironic marriage proposals? No, even after even after they a few of those. Even after they, <laughs> after they revealed she was an AI creation, uh, many followers still expressed their love for her. Oh uh, yeah! <laughs> wow. And it's been highly lucrative. They're making making money hand over fist, and they don't have to deal with those pesky, annoying humans anymore. Humans. So, <laughs> remember when whenever they, the the CEOs talk about being job creators, and yeah. I, you always like to say, "Well, if they could get robots yeah. to do it." They, yep. I, I saw a story. There's a a Wendy's somewhere that has I, I forget where they opened it up, but some big city and. and uh, and, and they have no humans there. Yeah. It's just all it's it's a it's a robot Wendy. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I'm the the propaganda around that was always ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. like no, you're going to do whatever is the most efficient for 
stuffing money into your, your pockets. profit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's I mean that's fine. That's why they exist. I mean, it's just a matter of you know maybe they need to, we need to put a little regulator on that accelerator yeah. a little bit. And uh, there was a there was an incredible tell-all series of articles in the New York Times in uh, this last uh, week and a half about uh, long-term care for elderly people and just how completely corrupted it is by yeah. capitalism. And the one that really stuck struck me was this: these assisted living facilities. Most of these are like inter- are being run by uh, international real estate conglomerates, <laughs> and their and their shareholders expect a twenty percent return. Oh my goodness! Regularly on their on their on their on their investment, um, and it's like, well, yeah. And so what they do is there they aren't have, that many gold fillings in there. Right. <laughs> well, everything that, I mean, everything that they do, yeah. You know, basically, is an additional fee, right? And so they just and they and they keep rejiggering it all the time, and you don't know when you after you're in there, you're sort of in for a penny, in for a pound, right? Or in for a hundred pounds or whatever yeah. it is, you know. And so it's just kind of like, wow, this is like not the way to do this. Yeah, I just have this feeling that all the medical advances that we have created in order to help people live longer, it's just so we can squeeze more money out of them. Mm-hmm. Somebody's sitting there thinking it's either going to come from the government, it's going to come from their private, you know fortune whatever the individual happens to have and but we're just you know let him live to be 80 90 years old because that way our vampiric capitalist system can suck more value Mm -hmm. that's the way it feels after a while on the other hand there are the bonobos we love the bonobos bonobos. don't we folks we love the bonobos um human cooperation is so striking that anthropologists have long considered it to be unique to our species but they've discovered a new study just came out Yesterday in science that uh, throws this uh, uniqueness of the doubt, they found out that there are two groups of apes in Africa uh, that have regularly mingled and cooperated with each other for years. Really? It's according to Joan Silk, who's a primatologist at Arizona, Arizona State. This new research comes from observation of bonobos, of course, an ape species that lives in the forests of the Democratic Republic, Republic of Congo. And uh, about a century ago, primatologists thought bonobos were a kind of a chimpanzee, but now they realize that they are distinct in, in, in many ways, and sometimes uh, sort of remarkable ways. I mean, one way, uh, you know, in chimpanzees, uh, the males are the dominant figures in the society, and they're very violent, and they even kill, mm-hmm. like, little sure. chimpanzees and things. But in the bonobo groups, females dominate, and uh, that males have never been observed to commit infanticide. Uh, because I think what happens is if you do that in that society, you get bonobo-side. Um <laughs> But, uh, but they also diffuse conflict in an interesting way, which is that uh, they have sex with each other. <laughs> and it doesn't make any difference which sex you are. It's just that's the way to, to ease the stress, apparently, of social life. But um, they made a lot of these uh, observations of bonobos in zoos, but in recent years they've been conducting them in the wild. And this is what's really fascinating. There were these two groups of bonobos, and they were very separate groups. And um, they watched the two groups. And how they would interact. And they groomed each other. They shared food. They cooperated to chase away snakes, which is a very important thing if you're a bonobo to do. Uh, but they, main, they maintained their own cultures. And uh, and they were distinct from each other. Their their ranges overlapped. They hunted. But they hunted for different kinds of game. They, uh, they basically never grouped together as one giant group. They were separate groups, but cooperated with each other. So it's an amazing example of how people don't need to be all the same, apparently. Uh, bonobos at least don't need to be all the same in order for them to live in harmony. Um, of course, the problem with bonobos is, like many things, there's only about maybe 15,000 individuals left 
and they are threatened by logging and poaching. So the, the gentlest and kindest and perhaps most inspirational of all the great apes, of course, probably on the way out. Sorry about that sad part of the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea that they, they maintain their separate cultures. They yeah. maintain their separate familial structures. And yet they cooperate on a variety of tasks. So they were able to both cooperate and be themselves, be mm-hmm. distinct. So which oh, is really nice. We should try that someday. That would be a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would, it's just to, just to see. <laughs> just to try see for a year. What would happen? Yeah, just... just just do that. Why not? So, uh, my home state of Minnesota has finalists now for the the new flag, the new state flag. Ugh, they're hideous. They aren't they terrible? Oh, I mean, they so can't boring. do this on the radio, but they're all like just yeah. very generic. It's like they went into to some chat G, GPT thing yeah. and said, "There, make make me a flag." Yeah. And uh, I mean, they're all, they all look a lot. They all look very similar. Well, there was a deadline and they all came in like a few hours before then. So yeah. It's really suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they have, it's a lot of blue and green because yeah. of the, the yeah. sky and the water and the land and whatever. And uh, there's a star in every one of them because it's the North Star State. Right. And uh, th- there were some kind of cool ones because they had like 2,600. Yeah. You know, um, applicants, but uh, they they narrowed it down to the six most boring ones that uh, that <laughs> nobody likes. <laughs> they they kind of it kind of looks like a I don't know like a generic just a generic logo you know for yeah. like a, a crappy little business or something. I mean, yeah. so, but uh, well, I you know I've tried for years to get the uh, the red flag with the Bucky giving you the finger. It's our state <laughs> flag. Nobody seems to be picking up on that. No, actually, my 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 suggestion was that you take a. The, the little heraldic badger that's on top of our current seal and take the little thing that says forward, the little scroll above yeah, it, yeah. and just put that on a field of, field of green. Sure. Just, you know, make it bigger, obviously. Yeah. But that would be a perfectly reasonable, you know, I mean, everyone, it's a badger state. No, there's only one other state that has a green flag. Right. That would be perfect. And we're, we're pretty green Yeah, up we here. are. We're pretty green. Yeah, yeah, so, so let's do that. Pasture yeah. land, whatever, yeah. you know. So, so the old... Uh, the old Minnesota flag, the yeah. current the current one, yeah. has a little problem. It's got a, it's got a, a Native American on a horse riding off into the sunset, yeah. and then like a a nineteenth century settler, yeah. you know, plowing a field or something. Yeah, so yeah. the message is, you know, the white people are moving in, yeah, and right. we've yeah. chased the See Indians. See a sucker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but of course, Fox News had a problem with the redesign because it's too woke. What was woke about it? Well, because the, the the thing with the Native Americans, and uh, they didn't like the fact that uh, they, they thought, well, that was probably a pretty good thing. <laughs> <laughs> they get into a place where I don't even understand what they're saying. I don't know. And who no, is it? Who is okay? Before we had woke, who was in favor of that exactly? I mean, were we getting in our way back machine and going back I, to like eighteen ninety no yeah. or something here? <laughs> Wow. But yeah, they they manage. I mean, you know, and their their whole thing is to sell outrage and uh, yeah, get people upset about things so they're, that they're doing and, a good job with me. <laughs> yeah, and, and but it, it's like yeah, it, it it's like they were trying to say there's nothing wrong with the current flag. Yeah. It's this political correctness and this wokeness. I don't know what they say about the Mississippi flag because that was a good one. Which one was that? Was oh, it that's the, the stars last, and bars. The last, <laughs> last one to have the Confederate battle flag on it. Yeah, yeah, and they they actually they actually came up with a really nice flag. They, yeah. They tried pretty hard, and they came up. It was true to Mississippi, but it wasn't, uh, you know, trying to glorify the the lost cause. 
And uh, it, I, I was praising it yesterday to somebody. We're talk, we were talking about this. And I said, it looks like a, a Canadian provincial flag. It's that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we can't. I don't know why. I, it's, the thing is, blue and green don't go good together. No, they don't. No, those are not good. That's no, not a good color. No, blue and green should never be seen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I learned that in second grade or something. <laughs> when I stopped learning things. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the Jaguars here. Hi. Hi. Playing some more Sop with Camel this week? Or? No. Oh, wait, hang on. He wants to come on the air. Yeah, no. This week, um, am I there? Yeah, this week I'm dedicating my show to indigenous and native musicians. Oh, very so cool. So I'm going to do a complete show oh, of indigenous native um, musicians. Oh, excellent. So that's, that's, that's what's in store You're oh, so for who woke. comes for you. Well, that's pretty <laughs> So <woke>. are you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can only learn from the best <laughs> and most sarcastic of the woke family. You wokies. The <laughs> wokies. <laughs> All right, time to declare. <laughs> The weekend. It's a woke weekend. For it's, it's, a, it's all the way. <laughs> so, yeah, stick around for the Jaguar. That sounds like a great show. It so, does. And uh, after, first of all, we're going to play the kiosk and then, then the Jaguar, then Amy Goodman, Democracy Now!, Labor Radio, Blues, Friday on My Mind, all kinds of great stuff here on your favorite radio station. Pants, it was great to see you. You too, bud. Have, have a good rest of the holiday weekend. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you people next Friday. It is 2 o'clock. You're listening to WRT 89.9 FM in Madison. Goodbye, friends. I'll miss you. Good riddance to them. Now Zoidberg is the popular one. Yes, yes. Let's all talk to Zoidberg.